0: Hello and welcome to The Connection Podcast. I'm Eloise Skye, coach, astrologer, guiding you to find deep fulfillment and live your purpose, bringing this podcast to you with a sprinkle of more connection to the world through conversations about what it means to connect and be connected in a world that is so often disconnected. In today's episode, I'm sitting down with Chelsea Lockwood, a marketing strategist by day, a writer, artist, and astrologer by night. Welcome, Chelsea.
1: Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Yay. I'm so happy to have you here. We know each other through a group mastermind that we were both in like probably seven or eight years ago, but have only really been in contact over the past couple of years as the world has gone a little bit sideways. (laughs) We've both leaned more into our study of astrology. And um, I think I've said this to you before and not then you're hearing it for the first time but <laughs> you're someone that I've always found to be really really fascinating and just a straight up bad bitch and I can't really pinpoint why <laughs> well that is the highest praise imaginable um
1: yeah I don't know how I don't always see myself like that so I to hear it's like oh, oh that's nice to hear
0: yeah it's, it's visible and I mean, this came up in, in the previous episode as well. It's like we never see ourselves as everyone else does. Everyone like yeah. holds us in this high regard and we're like, oh, I'm okay. I'm all right. <laughs> um, which is another thing that kind of connects us all. It's that that real difficulty and that real struggle to be able to see ourselves objectively because of all the stories that we tell ourselves. Totally, totally. Mm. So what's that like <laughs> being a very fascinating like person is it something that you wake up every single day and decide to be interesting or does it just happen oh
1: god that um here's what I'll say so there's been a lot of things that I've gone through that I think when I tell people like in a sort of casual setting there's just no response or, or they're just like they can't process it and um there's times where I feel like look, I I can't just go around telling everybody everything I've been through. They're going to think I'm a liar, like, because there's this is just too much really to happen to one person or to go through. And I also just feel like I, I don't really, even though I'm a Leo son, like, I really don't want, like like, all of that attention of someone being like, wait, you died? And like, or like you, wait, you were in a cult or just like, I, sometimes I'm just like, yeah, yeah, just let's not make a big deal out of it. So, um, Mm. I would say it's a mix of like, on one hand in my own world, I'm kind of just like, why, like, why has so much happened to me? Like, is there something I need to be doing with that? And then when it comes to like sharing it with others, there's kind of this like, okay, what are they going to think about me after Mm. they hear everything? And there's some baggage with that. But I think as I get older, I just don't care. Mm. Yeah,
0: yeah. because I've actually had this conversation with so many people this week is we often hold ourselves back from doing things because we're like, people are going to judge me. People are going to say nasty things. People are going to make fun of me like behind my back or to my face, who knows? And then when you just check in and it's like, can you know for sure that that is going to Mm -hmm. happen? And we might feel like that, but we actually don't. And when I left teaching Pilates and meditation to be doing more astrology and coaching. I, when I told my friends, I felt like it was like a big thing. I felt like I was like coming out of the spiritual closet and like, they were all like, yeah, that totally makes sense. You've always been into that stuff. Yes. And I was like, yeah. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> I have had that too, where I'm like, okay, you guys aren't going to believe this. And then they're like, yeah,
0: we knew. Like. <laughs> they're like this is your obvious next move meanwhile you've been agonizing over it being like how am I gonna tell people right right I've been there I get that um and so as you touched on you have had many many life experiences and from the like I think what really comes across to me like when I sing these praises to you is that the way that you communicate in your writing has such depth to it, which I think comes from experience. And it's like the experience of someone who has lived 12 lifetimes (laughs) by this point, right? Like I would say that we're not even middle-aged yet. Um, Right, Right. And, you know, can you tell us a little bit more about your journey? Like start from the beginning because I find it so fascinating. I really want to hear about it. And I think other people will as well. Okay. Yeah. So,
1: um, I grew up in Flint, Michigan, which in the United States, like that's a pretty famous town for like where the water is bad. It's been like poisoned water. And there's always been, um, it's always been one of the most dangerous cities in the United States, like as long as I've been alive. So, um, I didn't have any concept of really danger when I was growing up, but, um, I grew up as a Jehovah's witness and, um, I'm like three generation or three or four generations deep. So like grandparents and great grandparents were in that. And, um, but only on my dad's side. And um, so I grew up in that, that is a religion that I find that most people don't totally understand. They kind of lump it in with like Mormons or just, you know, something that's like, Oh, they've always been very nice to me kind of thing. But um, in Like my experience growing up in it, it was a really traumatizing thing. (laughs) Like um, a big part of the teachings are that Armageddon is going to come at any moment. And it's something that you should pray for. That every day, multiple times a day, you should be praying for the end of the world to come. And that a big part of that is that everyone who isn't a Jehovah's Witness will die in Armageddon. And so like I would go, I I literally cried every single day at school for the first like two or three years that I went to school um, because I was so afraid of Armageddon happening while I was at school. And there were no other Jehovah's Witness kids in my, in my grade, in my class. And I was like, they're all going to die all around me. And how are they going to, how is God going to know to like save me? How am I going to escape? Is he just going to send a fireball to my school, you know? And And, um, I had severe anxiety as a child. Um, I, it was one of those things where, um, like anyone who met me as a child could tell that there was something wrong. I think now there's kind of, there's like the term that's like neurodivergent or whatever, like that kind of thing. And I do resonate a bit with that. Like when I was a child, I was not a normal functioning child. (laughs) (laughs) and um and it was like people were like is she gonna be okay like is she ever gonna live on her own kind of thing and that was something that I worried about myself
0: so how did that manifest like were you shy or like you know how did it show up where people like is she okay
1: I had meltdowns I I would cry hysterically Mm -hmm. I couldn't just be out in the world it felt like because I had a preoccupation with this Armageddon happening, um, which is like we went to, um, they call them meetings, but they're like going to church basically like three times a week. And so you're spending like all of your time <laughs> just hearing like Armageddon is coming now, but I didn't have any concept that they had been saying that for like 50 years, you know, it's going to come now. And it's like, as a child, I'm just like, Oh my God, I was born. And now, okay, the end of the world is going to come. Um, so that really set me up for like severe anxiety as a kid. Um, I gained an extraordinary amount of weight as a child. I was over 300 pounds, like when I was pretty young. And, um, yeah, that was another thing. It was just like, whoa. So like, this is not good for such a young kid to be, um, this weight and stuff. And, So, uh, yeah, things changed at at around 17. My dad, um, I found out he was having some, uh, some doubts about the religion. And, um, so he actually ended up like wanting to leave. I found out about that, that he was having his doubts and that eventually, like I started to talk to him and was just like, okay, what are the doubts here? (laughs) Like, maybe I'm open to this somehow, you know? And it, it opened that crack in the door that like, I was like, actually, I've had some little intuitions like my whole life that I didn't listen to because I was always taught like our minds are not pure. They're, they're flawed and we can't trust them. And so I had all of these intuitive hits my whole, I was a wildly intuitive kid to the point where it would freak adults out. And, um... And yet I was like really trained to shut that part of myself down. And so when my dad started to bring, you know, up this, like, maybe this religion isn't <laughs> the truth as they call it. um, Yeah. I I started to like go down that path and I was like, oh my God, wait, I, I think this is right. There's no way this religion is the truth. Come on. Like this is, it just, it opened that door to me and I, um, and then I went out into the world. i never thought I would go to college. I never thought I would do anything but become a wife like and have kids. And then I've, I've gone on. <laughs> and I've done a lot more. I, I've done everything except get married and have kids. <laughs> so.
0: Um, and so going to college, was that, cause what, so you went to like a, a standard school, Mm -hmm. where you lived, was that in like a community or was it just that you would all convene at these meetings? And then, so what was it like going to college after being brought up in this way?
1: Oh, right. So yeah, it wasn't a closed community type thing. It was, um, it was, I lived in like a normal city and everything. And, uh, but, uh, it was like, we had a congregation and, um, yeah, we met many times a week and, but like, I, I still went to regular school. For the most part. There were time there were periods where I just would have like breakdowns though. And I had to be homeschooled for a while for like a couple different years. And so I, I did end up like graduating um, high school at 16 because like the times that I would do schooling on my own, I would fly through them rapidly. Um, and when I would go have to be around other kids, that would just like really slow down all of my learning basically. But
0: yeah (laughs) wow so then if you were around other teenagers who weren't JWs then you know you're exposed to all the same stuff as the rest of us yeah yeah Yeah. and at that point did you think that stuff was fascinating or intriguing like you know all the pop culture and all of that stuff or before you started having these conversations with your dad were you like oh no that's that's all nonsense nonsense and all those people are going to hell
1: I, here's what I would say is that looking back, I always something that that friends have told me is that you've always been on the fringe, like always a little bit on the fringe. and I go, I have. I didn't even notice that. but when I was a witness, like as a teenager, I was really into music, and I was really into music that they would not like. you know, I like like nine inch nails, <laughs> like you know, that kind of thing. and I, um, was so into music. I would go like sneak and see live bands like that were local and um I would go to concerts and stuff and I would be like I know that this is not technically right, but I had this intuitive sense. I was like God is not going to be mad at me for going to see music. I'm not going to go do drugs and then prostitute myself. Like I I'm just going to go to a show and that's it. So I kind of intuitively had this sense of like I'm pretty sure God's okay with this. And I would sort of do my own thing, but I could never let anyone know about that part of my life.
0: Mm. Yeah. Like a secret double life.
1: That's that's a term that, that organization uses a lot. They're like, you don't want to be living a double life. And I was like, mm,
0: okay. <laughs> oh. And so did your dad leave around the same time you did, like to go to college or...
1: So we left together, basically, and he actually saw an exit counselor because it is such a big thing to leave. It's kind of a thing that, like, um, so within cults, there are a thing called exit counselors who basically help you create a strategy to leave that's, like, the least upsetting to your goals and Mm -hmm. the main thing is like there's something called disfellowshipping within the organization where um if they if you are a baptized jehovah's witness and then they say then you decide like actually this isn't for me then you become an apostate and now your family and your friends are no longer allowed to have any communication with you and um so so when he started to talk about leaving, he was like, I want to just move to a different state. And we'll just tell them like, we're transferring our records, like our witness records to a new congregation, but we won't. And then everyone will just go like, oh, they're happy in California. And they, and then it'll take a while, like it'll take kind of a while before everyone realizes. And so that's what we did. We moved, we picked up and we drove from Michigan to California. And um, it did take about six months (laughs) before they realized. And my grandparents sent witnesses from the local congregation to our new address because she found our new address somehow. And one day I was like leaving to go to work and these men in suits were running after me and they were saying, Chelsea, your grandparents want you to come with us right now. And I was like running away from them and trying to get into my car. And they were like, do you believe that Jehovah God is the, is the one true source to the, like, or or no, it was, do you believe the Watchtower Society? Because they have all of their jargon. Do you believe the Watchtower Society is the one true channel to God? And they were trying to get me to like incriminate myself to say, like, I no longer believe this. And I was just like, I'm not saying anything. I'm just, I zoomed out. um, I left. (laughs) And that was like, I would say that fear though, like that experience too created like some pretty serious like post-traumatic stress like I had like even hearing like someone running coming up behind me that's like just jogging it like creates a response or it used to I've done a lot of work but
0: (laughs) but but, because it's almost like a kidnap like it's I mean it's not it's not but that like someone randomly coming being like you need to come with me that doesn't, yeah. I mean, that's never happened to me in my life. <laughs> Touch wood. <laughs> I'm glad it hasn't happened to you know, to most people. That's, um, yeah. Yeah. It's. I, I imagine that is very, very, yeah. very confronting. To be I would say
1: it, like to leave that organization, it, felt, it, it really, like at first I was just like, I'm going to be an atheist because it's just easy. You can just say, I don't believe in this and I'm just done and you can be cool and it's just you don't have to prove anything to anyone. And I really loved that for a while. But I look back now and I feel like I had a lot of experiences that was like the universe was just trying to like beat into me, there's something bigger. And if you try to hold on to this, like nothing means anything, you're going to (laughs) die. So so yeah, that was kind of like the trajectory after that, that the universe was just like, now we need to create a series of terrible life experiences that are going to force her to like, try to find God basically.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Try and find meaning amongst all of the the other things. And so did that come on slowly when you, first started being like, hang on, I think there's more going on. Cause I mean, it doesn't sound like it was a walk in in the park of like synchronicities. It sounds like it was. So,
1: So the big thing I would say is I really struggled with my mental health. Like I had severe anxiety, severe depression. Um, when I was 20, 21 years old, um, I was hospitalized. I went to a psychiatric hospital because I had attempted to take my life. And, um, I, That was profound. That was one of the most pivotal moments in my life was going to a state psychiatric ward, which is, it is, it's grim. It's, it's terrifying. It's like worse than jail. I think Um, there was a girl there who was trying to attack me the whole time I was there and I couldn't like they, uh, there's a law about them not being able to let you go. Um, And that was when I started to go, okay, I don't think I'm actually crazy because these people are full on crazy and i'm not like them but there is something going on inside me and i need to figure out what all of this is um and i ended up going on a cocktail of of an antidepressant a mood stabilizer an antipsychotic anti anxiety and adhd medication and it just like <laughs> i say it was like the pharmaceutical um, equivalent to spanks, which is just like, holds you in (laughs) just like every part of me was just like, so tightly squeezed into this like being, and there was no room for any emotions. And, um, and I was on those, I was on that for like, until I was let's see. So that would have been like eight years. And I, I stayed on that. And I just, the whole time I was on those though, I really struggled with like, I just want to die. Like there's nothing means anything. And um, I did have a couple like mystical sort of experiences. Like I, I saw this psychic once who was so stunningly accurate. And she ended up predicting almost everything that has happened to me. Like, and at the time I was horrified by it. She was like, I'm, I'm seeing you sitting in this drum circle and you're just singing and you're, and you're drumming. And I was like, if that ever happens to me, kill me. Like I would rather die than be in a drum circle. And then I forgot about that until like a few years ago when I was in a drum circle and I went, Oh my God, this was foretold like this exact moment. Um, But this woman When I was like around 22, she predicted so much and she knew everything that I had been through. And like, that started to make me go, okay, wait, now I think psychics are real. I think they're for sure, like, there's no way she could know this detailed information. And so like my worldview started to shape where I'm like, okay, maybe I don't believe in God, but I do believe that there's something out there. There's some energy that some people can pick up on. And I want to know more about that because if I can have any heads up on what's happening in my life, like my life had just been so chaotic. Um, I grew up on a Pluto AC line, (laughs) like my life, my life up until 17 was just like death, 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 like near death and just terrible. Um, and that preoccupation as well. Yeah. Truly. Literally. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So, um, so yeah, anyway, I, I guess like it was just, I realized the pharmaceutical drugs were not, they were not working. Like it it was, I was still thinking like, if this is as good as it gets, then this isn't really worth it. And, um, I kept having like little goals about like, well, if I can just get this kind of job and if I can just get these kinds of friends, or if I can just whatever, like reach these these goals, then I'll be happy. And I kept reaching them, which is, is not a brag at all. But it was just every time I reached them, I was like, oh, I'm still miserable. I, um, I thought like, if I can move to Los Angeles and get a job in the entertainment industry, I'll be happy. And I did. And then I even got a job where I could walk to work, which is unheard of in L.A., And every day I had to walk over the LA river. And every day that I walked, I thought about throwing myself off into the LA river. And I said, this is a sign that you have truly gotten everything you want. And still every day you're thinking about offing yourself, (laughs) like you got to figure something else out. Um, So that, that was kind of when I discovered ayahuasca. (laughs) And and, so
0: you were still on the meds at this point. Yeah. Yeah do you feel like they did kind of help you to a certain point to like keep it together from being in the hospital? But, because I mean, they, they flatline you, right? So you don't experience, you might not experience as much sadness or despair, but also you don't experience happiness. And then yeah. you're just like, what is this like?
1: Well, I would say, so the analogy I really like is like, that those, that those sorts of psychiatric drugs, they're like taking the batteries out of your smoke alarm and your house mm. is still on fire. You just don't know it. <laughs> and and yeah, I was yeah. a house on fire and I did not know it. And there was so, I so just like from there, there's plenty of stuff in my family line and both family lines that are really traumatic. They're really deeply upsetting stuff. Um, and, and so there's that, there's things that I went through as a kid. There was all kinds of traumatic experiences and just all sorts of things that I like wasn't dealing with. Um, I went to therapy and I don't really like, sorry, everybody who really loves therapy. It didn't really do that much for me. Um, it was probably better than nothing, but, <laughs> but I didn't, I was not in touch with who I was and I every time I wondered what should I do, where should I go. I was constantly looking outwards, and what I realized is like I was just being taken wherever the wind was was directing me. And um, yeah, it wasn't until I started to do ayahuasca that it was like go inward. You are so afraid to go inward, and when it forced me to go in there for the first time, I was like, whoa, I this is this is terrifying because. My internal world had been this like barren wasteland that I just refused to ever let myself go to, you know, and I would try to distract Mm -hmm. myself with TV and everything, just substances, everything else to keep myself from going in there. But really going in there was where I was supposed to go all along. So the medication kept me from ever getting in touch with that. Um mm, yeah. but I think it probably helped me, you know, not actually kill myself. <laughs> so yeah,
0: it's one of those yeah. things
1: where I tell people like it's not like don't ever do it. It's just like do it, but then also do the work to try to get off. You
0: know? Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And so I mean, I think that's in our society we so often uh, there are so many ways that we can distract yeah. ourselves from looking inwards. And I'm, I constantly have conversations with people who are like, oh, I don't really know what my passions or my hobbies are, but I, I'm a bit of a workaholic. And it's like, well, that's interesting because is that a band no. aid from, you know, um, preventing you or, or covering up looking inside yeah. and, and finding what's in there? Um and also, the way that we're conditioned and raised is to be like, go get the fancy job, go, you know, move to the move to the big smoke, do all the things, and and we do that, and and that was definitely my experience as well. Like after university, going into the corporate world, being like, I'm doing all the things, and I'm like, why am I so miserable? And I was so disconnected from myself. I had a conversation with a friend, and and like he was just like, everyone should have at least three passions in your life. What are your passions? And I said. I actually don't know like, like I, this was probably at least 10 years ago. I remember we were sitting in this wine bar and I, it was just like,
1: yeah. Yeah. It's hard, it's hard. <laughs> I
0: was like, I'm going to think about that. Yeah. Well, the
1: thing that I noticed too, is that a lot of people have like very superficial passions that are just kind of like,
0: mm. like I love
1: to do makeup or something. And it's like, that's not what your soul is calling you to do. Like, Something deeper, and you've got to figure that out.
0: <laughs> Travel is not a passion; like it's a good time, but like b- b- because it has to be something that you can that's going to develop mm-hmm. you, and that you can do all the right. time. Yeah, like you can't like like everyone likes being on holiday, right? <laughs> Surprise! Yeah, right. <laughs> that's what a shock. That's what you like yeah. to do. um Yeah, and even, like, things that you can get good at or things that are, again, like, going to develop, you going to expand you in some way, whether that is, like, cooking or crafting Mm -hmm. or learning more about, um, you know, this whole spiritual stuff and and experimenting with things in that regard or learning or reading or whatever it is, it's got to be expanding rather than uh, flatlining.
1: Yeah, I, I would say, like, when I started... So I I started to do ayahuasca and then that was when I was like, oh, wow, there's God. There's for sure. There's God there. (laughs) There's there's God. And then there's also a ton of other. I mean, we're in this like whole multidimensional reality where there is so many things at play beyond anything I ever could have comprehended prior to that. And um and that really, I was like, oh, this is, I feel like the whole reason that I was born. Like, I mean, that was the first time I remember feeling like this was the most important thing I'd ever done in my life. And, um, but it, it's funny. So like, after the first couple times I did ayahuasca, I took a break and then I, I got into the practice of meditating every day and, um, I had just one night on a weeknight, like came home from work, ate dinner, meditated, and I started ha I started shaking. I um think I might have told you like I had a spontaneous kundalini awakening um that was like one of the most terrifying things <laughs> that had ever happened to me. But um there was a like shaking. I, I was shaking for a long time, just shaking for a very long time. And I ended up having, like, some really serious, like, health experiences, like, right after that, which I guess is pretty common. Like, it basically, what I, the way I've heard it described is it's, like, sending, like, a lightning bolt of energy into your body, and it can almost fry you to death. Like, it's, like, your organs are just, like, in shock over this new amount of energy that's just flooded in. Um and yeah, like when I say shaking too, I'm not like talking about a tremor. I'm not like talking about
0: like. <laughs> Do you mean like a, like a seizure, no. like what you would imagine that to be? Or like like um, yeah, the okay.
1: shaking came for sure, like out of my, ba- it felt like it was coming like out of my base, my trunk, like my core. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it was so like my whole voice, everything, my whole body was like sp- like so shaking so hard that I had to get on the ground. Like I, I couldn't do mm. anything. Uh, it, I thought it was a seizure, but then um, my mom, she used to work in healthcare and she was saying if it was a seizure, you wouldn't be able to talk through it. You wouldn't be able to talk at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's something else. like, yeah, I guess when it's a seizure, it's it's something else. But after that.
0: Yeah, I think you kind of like, lose control of your body as yeah, well yeah.
1: when you have seizure. yeah this was so this had, for a while I didn't know that it was a kundalini awakening I had no idea what that was and then um but like then something <laughs> just it was like the veil came off and I started to see everything very differently um it was like a very profound shift I just like started letting go it, it was just a very serious like spiritual awakening except it was initiated by this like profound shaking um (laughs) moment I guess and yeah like everything just started to shift and my intuition like really opened up I started like thinking about things and then they would immediately like happen or you know I started like it, it was or I would talk to someone about something and then later they'd be like hey you, how did you know that that was going to happen? And I was like, I have no idea. I, I don't know why I talked to you about that. Um, a lot of things were just starting to come together where I was like, okay, this body, this mind, like, like this whole body, this like rocket ship that we're, that our soul is in. There's so much more going on with it, and. I think now, like where I'm at now, I go, I think that this is the whole entire, like my purpose for being here is not even to necessarily, like, I don't know what will happen down the line, but, um, it isn't necessarily like a business. It isn't a thing I can market or sell. Like my mission is to get to the bottom of the mystery of the, like, like what, how deeply is this body connected to the soul and you know everything in between
0: <laughs> yeah which is no easy task right like right. Yeah. but I I think we're in a uh, a good era for that because certainly people are becoming awake to the fact that even just the like fact that everyone's now on the board on board with the fact that trauma stored in the body like yes. that would have been revelationary like 20 years ago right
1: yeah um, it's yeah. and it's like I feel like at this point, it's so beyond like, so there's, there's definitely, so there's trauma that's stored in the body. Like it's, I think it's, it goes back generations. Mm. (laughs) That has been my experience. Um, So there's that, there's what you physically, so there's what your ancestors have been through. There's what you have been through. (laughs) And then there's like what you are, like your habits day to day. Like just how, like how Mm. you sit. I, I've been, I just recently cracked open a crazy thing about literally how you sit in your body most Mm. of the time and how that can change your whole hormonal system. Can you furnish us with an example? Yes. So one of the things that 90% of women right now have is a tilted Mm. uterus. Have Mm -hmm. you heard of this? Like,
0: no. I think I've heard... Of it,
1: but I don't think I know anything about it. Certainly not my conscious awareness. So like, um, this blew my mind wide open, (laughs) but like Mm. your uterus is supposed to like be kind of hanging off, like to the side, like this, um, like over your bladder. But most women's Mm. right now, because of the way that we're all sitting so much, and we're also not like really sitting straight. We are like slouching. It's tucking the pelvis. And it's making the uterus fall backwards, like mm-hmm. closer to the colon. Okay. And yeah. so this is called like when women have, have their period, your uterus doubles in size and mm-hmm. it creates, you know, like basically like there's all of these pain, pains and okay. <laughs> I'm trying to think about like what exactly the most important point was here, but it's if your uterus is tilted over to one side and it is covering or like interfering with one of your ovaries that can interfere with all of the hormones that you make in your body. Mm. And so like women who struggle with fertility, women who have like hormone, like polycystic ovarian syndrome, or they have like all of these really complicated hormonal imbalances. They can do everything right. They can take every herb they can eat correctly it can do all of this stuff and it can never resolve because the uterus is like tilted over like bumping up against the ovary, which is causing these imbalances. And so Mm -hmm. what that actually calls for is like, it's kind of a, it's like a manual that you have to like get in there and start like bringing like circulation. Rearrange it. Yeah. It's, It's (laughs) it's crazy, but it's like, I guess where I'm at now is it's like, okay, there is the spiritual, there is the energetic, there is like the eating clean and the and the supplementing and, and like that kind of health. But then there's like literally working with the tissues. You know, there's some things that are like not quite right in the body and you have to like work through the tissues to get them there. And I think that's just mind-blowing to me.
0: <laughs> Even like in a more general perspective um just to kind of like zoom it out to applying to everyone like when i was a pilates teacher obviously posture is a huge um component of pilates and yeah the way that we spend so much time hunched forward sitting at desks we're basically devolving into prawns but your your organs don't have as much space to be doing what they're meant to be doing and so then we're really kind of cutting them short from, from their job. Um, And so it's, it's not really just about the physical element of like, firstly, how you look, because you look like a prawn. And then secondly, like, obviously the neck pain that you get from being forward like this, it is actually impacting your organs. And I do wonder on an anatomical perspective, when you were sharing that about the uteruses, I wonder if there might be a similar thing happening with men maybe to do with their prostates or something like that, because I mean, they're sitting the same ways that we are. And, and I think that women's health has like a very, like it's kind of being examined a lot more now, which is amazing because we've been gaslit by the medical industry for so yes, long. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think like, it's like, but are people looking at the prostates so the people like looking at um, because we all know that men are less likely to, to complain about medical mm-hmm. ailments. Yes. Things. Um, so it's kind of, it's kind of interesting to think about that from, from that perspective. As well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, in my experience, so I've, I've also had like a, so many health issues my whole life. Like, and I, that's really at the root of my motivation to get to like, what is it? Cause like, I've seen every specialist, every different type of holistic doctor, like, where is it? Um, and I, I, where I'm at now, I go, it's like your life force energy. If that is low, if your life force energy is low, you really don't have the energy to take care of, like, any kind of detox or any sort of, like, maintenance. Your body can't repair normally. But then it's like, well, how do you do that? How do you, how do you boost your life force energy? And there's – that's a whole – That's a whole
0: other world, so. I mean, there's so many ways that it's under attack. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Right, like the ways that we're distracted from having a purpose that gets us out of bed. We just like roll out of bed go to our job, come home, scroll social media or watch a box set on TV and then go to bed. Like it it is hard in our society to have that and to have that desire. It's certainly for me, like I used to be in that, kind of scene and then you kind of just start taking one step at a time to start to improve yourself for me actually I only got into um really fitness through an injury that mm-hmm. I had so it is almost like for most of us we have to have this kind of crisis yeah. of some sort typical hero, hero's journey because then I became a teacher out of it um of Having the wake up call of like, oh no, I actually need to take care of this vessel.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I've had that wake up call. I think the thing for me is like, it's l- so many layers of taking care of it. That where I'm at a point now where most people would be like, oh, are you doing like a week cleanse? And I'm like, no, this is my life. Like this is what I do every day, every week. Yeah. I <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do A variety of cleanses and and all sorts of things. And I go, okay, there's something else at the bottom of that. Because if Mm. if I'm living like this, and I'm not in like, I'm still having some sort of issue, then you have to look elsewhere. And yeah, yeah. But I totally agree about like everyone, like it's the culture. It's the culture of look outside of yourself Mm. to for answers. It's like, okay, if you, oh, if you feel a pain here, go see your medical provider about this. I guarantee you, your medical provider is not going to have any idea what that means, what that little thing is. Ask yourself, go within and be like, Mm -hmm. where is this coming from? What is this bringing up in me right now? You know, Mm -hmm. like just we have to connect back with ourselves and like with the earth too. I mean, just like we're so, we're becoming so disconnected from ourselves, from our ancestors, from our, from the earth in general. And it's, it's only making us worse. Mm,
0: for sure. <laughs> um, Cause all of that stuff is just like disregarded in favor of the new ways of being of like technology and, 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 the AI and all of the things. Um, And even like when you just like go into any pharmacy or or even the supermarket, it's just like, there's a drug for everything. And it's like, oh, you get migraines, just pop these pills. But Mm -hmm. this is something that one of my Pilates teachers taught me is that the majority of migraines, unless they are hormonal or from an underlying medical condition are posture related. And I know I get migraines. I get hormonal migraines, and also when I sit like a fool. Like if I'm if I'm working on my couch like this, then later in the day I can guarantee I'll be like, oh, I have a headache. And I mean, I know better. I'm a Pilates teacher for fuck's sake.
1: Well, that's making me think. There's definitely been times where I've been sitting weird, and then I get a headache. And on some level, though, at this point, I think I just know. I'm I'm like, I was being weird.
0: Yeah. I wasn't doing, I wasn't like, I got no one to blame, but myself.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, I, I've also noticed like that a lot of it is food based. Like I've cut out so many different foods. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the most recent one was actually chocolate, which is just like, just even cocoa powder, like unsweetened cocoa powder, like, yeah. and, so I tried taking it away. I know that you did kind of the elimination diet and then you like brought yeah. things back on.
0: Yeah. Man. I'm big into the whole 30. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. But it, it's like the same thing Oh, like then slowly bringing things back on and then you're like, how do I feel? And so I took away and chocolate, I feel like has been my heroin. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's gotten me through some tough times. And then, um, one of the people I'm, I'm working with, with my health, she was like, I think that chocolate is like, not good for you. Like, just try taking it out. I did. And when I brought it back in, I felt terrible. I had a crushing headache and I was like, Oh yeah, I don't think this
0: is good. (laughs) Yeah. That's interesting. Cause I wonder like sometimes people kind of have these like health crises where they need to do the elimination and then, you know, they work through all the things and then sooner or later they are able to reintroduce. It's like once you get your body back up to being able to to take those things.
1: I do think that um, I've heard too, like when you abuse a food, like where you're eating it all the time and, Mm -hmm. and your body starts to like build up a resist, like you become allergic to it because you're eating it so frequently, um, and that then if yeah you take a, some time off and you show your body that you're not a heroin addict, <laughs> <laughs> um, then you can you know integrate it back in with a little more you know um, ease and and not have a, such a big issue. But for now, I'm like I'm off I'm off all the drugs. <laughs>
0: All the things. Yeah. Um, but I think also that, that willingness to experiment, again, is like taking responsibility for ourselves, for our own yeah. health. Like even if you see the best doctor in the world or the best nutritionist in the world, and I always used to say this. I mean, I still say it in the yoga classes that I teach. I'm like, you can tell me you have an injury, but like when we're doing a pose, I don't know how it feels in your body. Mm-hmm. So you need to decide you need to check in like if it's sure if it's a pathology then I can give you some modifications but I don't know just from looking at you and no one does only you know how you feel right so we need to connect and like because the yoga that I teach is yin yoga you stay in a pose for five minutes people Mm -hmm. who are very like high energy distracted outside of themselves hate it it is like torture right and it can be like that at the start, but the, the reason that we're staying there for so long is to practice feeling embodiment and how things shift and change in your body. So it's really powerful, especially for those people who are super high energy, slow your right down, turn inwards, notice how things are feeling, um, and then you can see what works for you.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've, I've noticed that a lot. I feel like collectively like in the culture regarding sex like people are not in their bodies during sex and it's almost like encouraged not to be like especially if you're a woman it's just like yeah I just want to have this experience and just like it doesn't matter who it's with <laughs> and it's just kind of like I just want to get mine except they're not really getting theirs they're kind no, of just like not. <laughs> like a validation. It's like an emotional validation that like, you want me, but it's not the physical satisfaction so much. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't, I I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. And if, if someone out there can prove me wrong, I would love to hear it. But I don't think like, that these women are out there having casual sex, and they're having like multiple orgasms. Because... Right. It's like they're having some sort of experience that's like maybe semi gratifying, but it's not. Mm. It's not like the real thing of like nourishing, like in your body, like connected type sex. Like that's, that's a whole other thing that you can't really do, you know?
0: Yeah. I certainly know from my experience in the ho days. (laughs) (laughs) Um that I, for me, there's certainly an aspect of like the fantasy of it, like mm-hmm. what you're imagining in your head. And I think that is a big thing for women. Yeah. Of like what you think is going to happen, which is never what actually happens uh, right, because there's right. two people there with their own ideas, especially if you don't know someone very well. And in most of these, casual encounters right you don't have the intimacy with someone where you're going to be having those conversations about what you want what you don't want what you like and and what you don't like and I think I've seen a meme that's like people would rather like eat each other's assholes than talk about their feelings and that is like exactly where the culture is um, right now so there was that but then also I used to I'm very fussy about who I'm attracted to. So it's not like I've ever kind of like indiscriminately and, you know, like we all like different things. So for other people, they might find something in that. But for me, I was always enjoyed something about the type of men that I could get. Like if I walked into a room and found the guy in the room that I thought was the hottest, Mm -hmm. then I'd be like, well, yeah." (laughs) Um, And I mean, that's very subjective as well. Um, So it was kind of like bolstering my, maybe my self-worth in Mm -hmm. in that respect. But I mean, now, I think once you do get more in touch with yourself and more in touch with your body, you're like, I'm I'm not down for those kinds of shenanigans. Right. Right. Um, That's, yeah, I agree. It's like, it's, like,
1: your personal space, like, who you let in to, like, Ooh. even just, like, your, your home or, like, even just, like, who you're talking to or communicating with. It's, like, that that bar raises, like, the deeper you go with yourself because, mm-hmm. yeah, I remember going on dates with people where... I would just exchange like a couple messages and it would be like, want to make, or want to, want to meet up. And it'd be like, yeah, sure. Just like, I don't really know you, but we'll see how it goes. And now I'm like, I need to know who you are, what you believe.
0: And I need to know
1: all kinds of things before I will even agree to ever see you in person, let alone ever have any sort of physical contact. Like, yeah.
0: So and it's an interesting way to be because I think a lot of men can take that as not being interested in them mm-hmm. and I, as upfront as I am to be like you know I I need time on this um, it's, it's still kind of a, a tricky thing to, to navigate like the last yeah. guy that I went on a date with asked if he could kiss me and I was like no oh wow <laughs> <laughs> that actually has happened quite a lot lately again because, like, I'd like I used to just kiss anyway. If, like, if someone was like, Do you want to kiss? Do you want to make out? I'd be like, Yeah, sure. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, but now I don't know if it's an energy that I get off, but or, that I put off, not get off, <laughs> For <the> uh-huh. <laughs> Um, but or if it's the times that we're in. But men do ask me now, and more often than not, the answer is no, yeah, and they will be taken aback initially, obviously, because I mean, that's even if someone said that to me, I'd be like, excuse me. <laughs> right? But yeah. then they're like, wow, like, I respect that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's like, yeah. when I think about my last relationship, um it was a guy who was so completely different from everyone I had ever dated. And his standards were so high. And he we did not kiss until our fourth date. And I, did, it, I was waiting for him to make a move. And I think he was just like, yeah, I'm going to take my time. And I, my respect was just building. I was just like, oh, my God. And, like, after every date, I would think, like, do you want to see me again? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> like, it's just like, okay. I, I didn't know because there's not – he wasn't trying – to touch me. He wasn't trying to like get into my physical space. And all that whole time, my respect was just building so much. I was just like, oh, this is someone who has his own standards for what he's looking for. And to me, like after that experience, even though that didn't end up working out, I just went, okay, this is forever changing, like how I go into dating, because I now want someone who has incredibly high standards too. And who isn't just out there making out with like, just, I mean, just like out there looking for whatever he can get, you know, it's, that's not as rewarding as having someone who really is like, no, I'll pass. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Because there is always that like, kind of awkward expectation at the end of a date, like you've had a nice time with someone, they Mm -hmm. might be good looking. And then there's the like, right. Well, I guess we kiss. And and I'm like, no, we don't. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. Not, that's going
1: to happen. You can like make it about, I guess that's the thing that I got to where I was just like, do I really want to see this person again? Even if we don't kiss, like even if I, like, and I did. And I think that was the thing is it was both at the end of each date. It was kind of like, Oh no, this was really good. And we don't need to like make it, we don't need to bring the physical into this yet. Like, because let's just keep seeing where this goes. And that, I mean, it was great,
0: <laughs> great experience. So yeah. Do you find, did you find that? Um, Cause I mean, this has been my experience in those situations that waiting, building that respect for someone outside of the physical, right? Cause I mean, once things cross into the physical territory, then you're getting other needs met from them. so they don't have to keep being as intellectually stimulating um and so in your experience of that you know once things did cross over because you respected them you liked it you built the actual intimacy Mm -hmm. that can be like the precursor to sex yeah did you find that that was better like I guess like yes in a physical sense but in like the depth of the connection as well
1: it it definitely went deeper like connection wise. Yeah. I feel like we were serious talkers (laughs) just like we talked like all the time. It would just, it would be like, even if we had sex, it was like talking before, talking after, talking for like five hours afterwards, you know, it was that Mm -hmm. kind of like, um, just a, a lot to say and a lot of like really deep conversations to be had, which I think was probably one of the big things that like, impressed me with him initially was like his ability to go to these deep places you know so in in my experience that wasn't um that wasn't the issue it wasn't yeah
0: (laughs) yeah yeah um and even when we do have these really nice experiences and they don't work out Mm -hmm. it can show us a little preview about what we want and what we like and what we need. And in your case, from what you're saying, it sounds like raise the standards to be like, you know what? This is where the bar is now.
1: Yeah. I think it's like, even when there is love there, like I could still let go of that and be like, you know what? I am not the best person for him. Even though this is the best relationship I have had so far, Mm -hmm. I want someone who's a little bit different. This like being in this great, you know, relationship made me realize like these things are non-negotiable level important to me. Mm -hmm. Um, But then it also made me realize like there's a couple of other things going on here that just aren't, my needs aren't being met. And where I felt like with him, maybe his needs weren't being met with me. And it was just like, we were like just missing each other a little bit. And to be able to kind of like let go with love, I think, Like, I've never been able to do that (laughs) before this, but this was like the first time where I was like, you know what? I really hope you do find Mm. someone who's like better or just like a better fit than I am for you, you know? And I just think that's such a good, I don't know that I'll have that forever, but I I felt like really good about myself (laughs) for even being able to get there once, you know, in a a loving relationship. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, because that's that's true love. Like all of the stuff that we're fed in the movies and whatever else is actually like a possessive kind of love. But true love is saying, I love you so much that I want you to do what is best for you and for you to have the most love and happiness. And If if I'm not the person that can give that to you, then, you know, set you free to go and find that. Yeah. Which is a very hard thing to say to someone.
1: It is, yeah, there have been there've been times where I've been like, w- was I sure? And then I go, yes,
0: you are sure. You're sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because a lot of the time as well, we kind of can act from that insecure place of like, will I ever get any better? Like, this is pretty good. It's not quite there. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, of course, we're also fed the narrative, like, relationships take work, which is true, but it's like, how much work? Like, I definitely... Right prolonged like an extremely toxic relationship for like probably about eight months of like we're working on it
1: (laughs) yeah yeah
0: we're doing the work no
1: we're not I feel like with my fire trine energy I've got a lot of fire energy in my chart I in in like my fantasy I would let something go that long but I can't it's like anything that starts to rise to the top I'm like no we must we must (laughs) Confront it right now, like it. It's like extremely confrontational energy. I can't get around that, and then that usually is the thing that it's like, oh, it's it's over. So,
0: can that broach into the territory of being being impulsive fire?
1: Um, yeah, I think I I used to definitely be a, a lot more impulsive. I do feel myself getting a lot more stable in that. in the the ways that I used to just jump. Um, But it is specifically with confronting issues, even like in, in any of my relationships, like friendships or with my family, if something comes up that is like, this needs to be addressed. And I come from two lines that are deeply obsessed with pushing things down and ignoring like problems they're just like oh we don't need to look at that let's just tuck it over here and um and I can't do that I for me for my well-being like I have to I, I'm not I'm not bringing up like just anything it's not like I'm confronting just like random strangers or anything but if there is something that feels like hey we got to deal with it. Like this dynamic between us, this isn't working. Can we just get everything out on the table? That's usually like where I want to be. I just want to have everything out on the table so that we're not just like dancing around things and I'll bring stuff up. And in my experience, like most people hate that. (laughs) They're just like, why are you saying all of the things that we haven't just that we have been trying to like not talk about this whole time. And I'm like, yeah, because we have to, like, this is, this is the only way and
0: it's yeah. People hate it. (laughs) I mean, you're a Scorpio rising. And that is a very Scorpio rising thing of like, we're not going to mess around with this. Like, it sounds like the people are like, why aren't you playing your role? Right. (laughs) Why aren't you playing your part in this silly play of like pretending? And you're like, nah, show's over. (laughs) Oh my
1: gosh. Yeah. It's, yeah, I would say it's like just all of, all of my energy. I even feel like the Gemini moon, like I have to talk things out just to process them emotionally. I have to talk them out. Um, and when I've talked them all the way out, I feel like, oh, all, right. all right, I'm good. Like that's when I'm happy. So I've got to confront and I, like emotionally I have to communicate it. And then all of my fire trying energy is just like, let's go, (laughs) let's get it out there. Let's not beat around the bush. Like, let's say the thing that we want to say. Yeah.
0: (laughs) On the mind, body, soul kind of connection level, you know, we kind of spoke about intimacy in the way that we're not really taught to to value that intimacy Mm -hmm. um, in our bodies. Have you ever... Because now the way that I see it, when you are sharing that space and that energy, whether it's a kiss, whether you're actually having sex with someone, it's an energy exchange. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's what makes you more discerning because you're like, do I want to be exchanging my energy with you? Like, yeah. do I want to be giving you this energy and do I want to be receiving whatever is going on with you? Yeah. Have you ever had any experiences where you feel like you've taken on someone's energy in that regard oh, yeah. and been like,
1: oh. Yeah, well, so that was happening. So it was like I had that kundalini awakening and I became extremely energetically sensitive. In like, it felt like an overnight type of thing. Like I <laughs> was not aware of people's energy or at least not consciously aware. And then all of a sudden one day I was like, I feel your energy and it's terrible. Like that kind of thing. And I was seeing someone kind of like casually around like on off kind of thing around that time and being around his energy felt very very toxic to me he wasn't doing anything he wasn't treating me poorly I will say that but his energetic hygiene like how he was with himself um I started to feel It just felt like a gross like oh oh no this is like coming off on me and like And then even when he leaves and I'm alone, I am almost picking up his patterns of like not really taking care of himself energetically, you know, just kind of pushing things down and, and just, you know, kind of living in a fantasy. (laughs) And, And I was like, whoa, I just started to notice myself picking up his behaviors. And I also around that time, it was just becoming very clear, like, I have to let this go. This is not, I don't want this, this around me at all. And I cut that off. And as soon as I cut it off, I almost felt like it was like a surge of other energy, like my own energy coming in or something that was like trying to just clear it out. I felt something that felt intelligent, like some intelligent energy source. The second that I said to him, we can no longer... We're not hooking up. Like, we can text. We're not going to hang out. Like that kind of thing. But we're done. It was like some intelligent and ener- energetic source came in and just started scrubbing me of all of that because it was like it was gone. It just left me like magic. <laughs> and since then, when I it it's like noticing that I've done that with like there were friends in the past who like they just were not a fit. They were like very dysfunctional kind of kind of types and I was like, "Well, we can still be friends." And then I would realize like your energy is coming off on me and I cannot afford to go back to where I was at because where I was at was like the road to death. <laughs> like that's really how I see it and I and it's like these these small like energetic exchanges they they're enough for me I, I can't go back to that I have to keep it real clean you know with people who are at least somewhat conscious like you don't have to be perfect but you know you've got to be a little bit aware
0: <laughs> of
1: what you do. yeah yeah I um because
0: and, and I think often we don't give ourselves permission to really be empowered in making decisions about who we're gonna spend time with and hang out with like I um had coffee with a someone that I met um recently and they just spent the whole time like complaining about their job which I'm not really about mm-hmm. that life and, and like to the level of detail of like and then this person said this and then I said this and then I did this and that like no that's um, <laughs> a hard no for me it's just like rolling
1: around in the in the trash yeah
0: yeah like you know that existential kink of like complaining about these the situations yeah. um and I mentioned it to my breathwork teacher because I was like oh you know like I see that I'm like putting an effort to like make friends and stuff and I was like yeah although I don't really think I'm on the same page with this person she wants to see me again I might see her like not anytime soon but probably again she's like well oh, you could just not see her again and I was like you're actually right We don't have to. Yeah. (laughs) And I thought that I was pretty solid in that, (laughs) in that, you know, sometimes with people like that, I will just definitely space out the regularity that I see them, but it's like, well, you could just not have to space it out and just never see them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really empowering to take charge of your, Mm. like of your field in that way. And I think we probably both come from a similar background of just like, well, it's mean. You don't want to just dump someone because they're a little messed up.
0: Like, you know, or they're. You know, we want to have acceptance for where everyone is at, right? Because everyone's on their own path, everyone's on their own journey, everyone's had their own experiences, right? If we were in their situation, if we lived their life, we'd be doing the same thing. So, but I think that's also the difference between judgment and discernment because being discerning is not having that attachment to being it and just be like, mm, no, that's not like, it's not like you, you're you triggered by someone where you're like, I really don't like this person or whatever. It's just the decision of like clean energy saying, I don't want to be around that.
1: Yeah. And it it really, that alone, I, I strongly believe like you are the, the combination of the five people you're closest with. And I've seen it go to work. Like there's some people like, Like my parents, like, I'm not going to be able to like completely cut them out of my life. So I'm like, you know, look, I've already taken some dips here with my parents. So everybody else, you got to be, you got to raise the bar.
0: And in your experience of doing astrological readings, so just changing gears, um, Mm -hmm. what has been something from seeing lots of people's charts that has either surprised you or where you've kind of um you know learned something or been able to see something from the volume of people that you see and the number of charts that you see
1: yeah let's see um I think blind spots are very interesting um I that is kind of I don't know like sometimes just because of my own blind spots I'm like oh, I like to distract myself. I don't want to look at like the deep inner stuff. Like I'll start to assume that everyone is like that. Um, But other people have, you know, like totally different blind spots. And so I'm always kind of looking for like, what does this person not know? What are they not, what are they running from? Like, what are they not paying attention to? That kind of thing. Um, And I'm trying to think of like anything specifically, I see so many Capricorns, <laughs> so many, so many like Capricorn stelliums as we've talked about. Um, for, so I have, um, Capricorn in the third house, which is like, yeah, my, my communication style, I think is just a little, I I'm definitely a person like, Oh, if, if I'm like really, <laughs> really comfortable with someone and they're like telling a story that goes like all over the map, I'll be like, get yeah, to the point let's hit, let's hit the main points. Like, I don't need to know that you looked at your watch. I don't need to know, like, and then I got a drink of water. And then I, you know, and in that way, like my communication is like pretty Capricorn. Like, it's like, let's, let's hit the points. (laughs) Let's keep rolling and that kind of thing. And so I do think um, just energetically, because these people who are coming to me for readings, they don't know that I have Capricorn in the third house. But I think there's probably something in like the copy on my website or something like that where they're like, oh, she's getting to the point. She's not like talking about angels or like, not that everyone in astrology is doing that. That's just my go-to thing in the spiritual world is like some people want to communicate with like multidimensional beings and, you know, Pleiadians and Arcturians they they're like, "Oh, I really want to communicate with these other worlds and these dimensions." And then there's other people who are like, "I want to get better in this world. <laughs> like I want tangible tools to like enrich my current life. I don't really care what's going on in the other worlds." And that's kind of where I'm at.
0: <laughs> yes, and that's that's interesting just like I mean on the topic of connection with the podcast, it's like it's about how we connect here. Like mm-hmm. when you're looking for all of these other things, I mean, I'm sure people get a lot of like benefit and comfort from whatever messages the archangels. Like, I mean, I feel like I'm gonna <laughs> something's gonna happen because I'm definitely not respecting them in the way that I'm speaking about it. But um, that. When we're looking that far outside, there's often a lot of stuff that we're missing here. Yeah. You know, it's like, how are you communicating with the actual people in your life? How about your family and your
1: partner? Right. Right. It's kind of a bypass. Well, I won't say that for everyone, but I will just say that there is like a, like the type of spirituality that used to turn me off from spirituality was just like this wanting to connect with these other beings from other dimensions Mm. and like, um, You know, and I am, there's still like a lot of interest. Like I'll still watch somebody like a channeling video where like their voice totally changes. And I'm just like, whoa. But I'm also not drawn to that over and over. I'm more drawn to like Mm. the practical, like spirituality of just like, what is going to help you in this world? Like getting through your day, making an income, what is going to help you as a person? just be able to get through
0: your life. <laughs> mm. um, yeah. And, and connecting with the voice within. Yeah. Because that is the voice of God consciousness, whatever you call it. Like once we slow it down.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I what I would say is that um, because I would say that if I'm, I'm trying to think about like what has been surprising to me, Um, I would say so 95% of the people who come to me are very like practical. They are looking for like very practical steps and like how to move forward and do better and and that sort of thing. Um, The most surprising ones are the people who are not at all practical. And they're like, tell me about my twin flame and tell me about my past lives and stuff. And I'm just like, how did you find me? What, where did you come from? How were, how were we ever an energetic match for you to find me? But um, I I can still usually give them something, but it's. <laughs> but it's
0: yeah. yeah. I will turn those questions back onto them about how they can. Yeah.
1: Like, why do you care about your twin flame? Yeah. yeah. And it's usually because they've got something going on in the seventh.
0: House.
1: <laughs> yes. In my yeah. Yeah. which
0: can be a tough burden having things in your seventh house um you know especially Saturn and Chiron because you know we are wired to look for partnership and so when you have in addition to the normal baggage and, and things that we all have to like when you've got extra things on there it can be a it can be a tough time so I certainly sympathize with them
1: Yeah, I can, I can sympathize too. It's just when it's like, um, I don't like someone's whole purpose in life is like, I have to find a mate and I just go, I'm having a really hard time understanding what that would be like, (laughs) because I just, I can't even fathom, like, just like, I don't care really about my career. I don't really care about like anything about my purpose or, or anything like that. I just want to know when am I going to get married and who's it going to be and what's he going to look like? And I go, okay,
0: just wait, just wait. (laughs) I will say that as someone, as someone who is like hyper independent, like I totally resonate with you and like, if if I'm gonna judge that when people are coming to me like that, I'll be like, ugh, like because yeah. again, that's not my lived experience. That's not how I think. That's not how I relate. Um, I'm a Capricorn son. so I'm like, it's cool. My money's gonna keep me warm at night, yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> like, learning about astrology has actually made me have more compassion for for well, for everyone, yeah. but even those people because people that do have strong Libra placements are looking. They do need that. And I think that like people like us can shame them <laughs> without like independence. But I, I do, I do genuinely think that for some people, um, especially with Libra placements in my experience, like that, that is part of their path and part of their journey. So, um, you know, it's kind of like trying to have that perspective and also not trying to like project <laughs> so much, so much onto them. Cause yeah. I guess everyone does have completely different, um you know ways of being ways relating to the world and that libra is always looking for the other um once once they learn the lesson of boundaries and self-love right but right because that question can be coming from a place of Mm -hmm. unwholeness i mean a lot of the time it is but right once that is they're still they are still going to be looking
1: Right. Well, the way that I think about it too, is it's like, so for me, my life experiences have led me kind of away from thinking like that the relationship is going to be the thing that changes it all for me, mm. you know, but I've had other life experiences that show me like other thing, other areas of my life that that's going to be the thing that changes everything. And someone else could look at that and be like, that's so silly, yeah. you know, like that's, dumb, you know, so, maybe those people who think that the relationship is going to change everything are right. Mm -hmm. And a relationship will change everything for them. And that will, and that experience will be as big as whatever I might experience with like a career or, you know, finding like meaning in my life, like that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. Um, So every, everybody's on a totally different scale Mm -hmm. of like, what's going to be impactful, what's going to be meaningful for them. And yeah, I do try not to judge. It is just, it is a little funny to it's me sometimes. It's hard sometimes. sometimes. <laughs> it's like, I can't tell you when you're going to meet your twin flame. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't practice that kind of astrology either. And so sometimes people do come with the expectation that you will. And I'm like, let's just focus on you in the present day. Um, yeah something that you might find interesting just talking about the people who like talk about things in a lot of detail I find that people who are cancer rising because they have Virgo in the third house Uh they tell stories and will tell you like and the sky was blue and there was a breeze in the air (laughs) Yeah. I was wearing this and then I saw this person. And then I, so you may find that, that there's that pattern there as well, because I'm like with my cancer rising clients, I'm like, all right, 50 words or less, let's go. So
1: my mom, my mom is a cancer rising and she is the primary person who the stories will take mm-hmm. like forever. And more than half of the story is just like details that have nothing to do with the actual like the plot of what she's telling me, so that that really checks out. That the cancer rising. yeah,
0: I just had a thought. I wonder if Henry Thoreau was a Cancer Rising or had some kind of Virgo like Mercury situation because his books are all like just like tombs of of yeah the trees and the <laughs> leaves and the animals and the snow and the snowflakes. Yeah. Oh gosh.
1: Yeah. I mean, I get it. I, in some way, like I try to be understanding about it, but at the same time, like when I'm one-on-one with a person and they're just like, I have this amazing story to tell you. Okay. So I woke up and then I went to the bathroom and then I went to the kitchen and I'm just like, "Whoa, whoa, Whoa, we could have skipped all that. You could have jumped right. Like it is my pet peeve. And I'm just in my mind, like, but I only got this way Because my whole childhood, whenever I would tell a story, people were telling me, like, get to the point, get to the point. And I don't think other people had that. And it was a little Mm -hmm. hurtful, like, when I was really young. But it's what built me into this, where I'm, like, a very efficient storyteller.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yes um because I was gonna say there was none of that in the story that you shared about yourself in this like it was like I was hanging off every word and then I looked and I was like oh my gosh we've been we've been on here for like an hour which is amazing oh
1: gosh let's Um, make it a Rogan three hour
0: (laughs) (laughs) how much time have you got um well I can always have you on again but it's been it's been wonderful to share this time with you and to hear about your story, because I actually didn't really know all of those things from the start to the end.
1: Oh, wow. Well, yeah, no, I, thanks for letting me talk about them. I think I, I, I don't, it's funny. Like even as I was prepping for this podcast, I was going like, Oh yeah. Okay. Like what's happened to me again? Like everything, because I I don't really hold it on. Like I don't hold it with me every day. I don't carry Mm -hmm. the baggage of it. It mostly feels like a lot of the stuff feels like a movie that I saw, you know, many times in the past. And I'm just like, I remember the details, but I'm not, you know, wrapped up in it every day. Like that was my identity. I think my identity is pretty separate (laughs) from that, Mm. from all of that now. So, um,
0: yeah, and even from experiencing all of those things to like how you talk about it and the ability to not attach your identity to those things, which is something that we can struggle with, right, is when we over-identify with our stories. Like, I just think that, I think that you know this. I think you have the inkling, but you are a powerful person that is here to do powerful things. Thank you. In whatever way that I, comes out.
1: Yeah, I think... There's some power in there. It's, I think it's, it's like, I'm figuring out how that's going to come out. It's, and that's like part of the whole path too, is it's like been slowly inch by inch coming back home to myself in a deeper and deeper way. And every time I do, it's like, I'm surprised at like, Oh, that's where we're going. Oh, that's the direction we're going in. And so I know it's just going to continue. And I think, where that will take me. And like, I, I do want to share what I've learned, I think with others, because I see a lot of people out there suffering and mm. I know at some point, like it's going to be about sharing on a deeper level. And I don't know how that'll look like yet.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because you have, you have really good perspective. Oh. And I think that that is something that people struggle to have Mm -hmm. when they're going through their own situation their experiences and like it's kind of like you're able to um you know almost like distill these experiences into and that's what that was about or this was the lesson or this is why this happened or then I overcame it and everything was fine
1: Mm -hmm. yeah I just making meaning out of the things that happened to me is probably the most Important thing I can do, <laughs> and often like I will be in it, and I'm just like, what is the meaning? What is the meaning of? <laughs> um, yeah, and i I think that that's the like one of the most important things that anyone can do is try to find meaning in the terrible things that happen um because there is something there's some sort of learning within there that you need and and it just makes it the process a lot easier.
0: Yes. Yes, for sure. Um and it you know always makes me think of that book Man's Search for Meaning by Victor Frankel. Oh, where it's like yeah. you can find meaning in every situation and that in some ways is actually what is going to save you.
1: Yeah. I think it's saved me. I mean <laughs> I there's there's some things that have happened where I'm just like, I if I didn't if there weren't if I couldn't find meaning in this, um then that would be very depressing you know it would be yeah. too heavy to carry so yes
0: yeah yeah and it's like you see what what other option do I have but to try and find something this because I just we didn't even talk about Mexico oh yeah <laughs> yeah
1: I, I can speaking
0: of like trying to find meaning in like
1: I can give like the Capricorn short version so I um was living in Los Angeles got very sick like couldn't work and um had to move to mexico where i have family and it was one of the most difficult experiences of my life i did not have anything that i needed i me and my cat almost died there in my arms like she it was it was pretty uh traumatic just many many terrible experiences there and then i finally got out i got um a job where i was able to leave and um but the entire experience there felt like pretty much just like a, a, hell, a Pluto hellscape. It was just like, like I would never leave. I could never get out. There was no one there. I was alone. <laughs> it was like, all of my fears come to life. Uh, that checks all of the boxes. <laughs> I made
0: it out. And how long were you there for? Thirteen months. I mean, you've given like a very like glossed over version, but like, I feel like, cause I mean, that's when we really kind of connected and like we talk on Instagram quite a bit and like, yeah. man, I, I felt like I was there with you. Like that every single day <laughs> was a struggle of like, what is this, what shit show is this day going to bring?
1: Yeah. It, it, I, you know, it's funny. I, I try not to, um complain too much but um i really felt like I, when i was there i was like just sending out a lifeline i was just like i have to document every crazy thing that's happening here because um I, I, no one will believe it like I, it's it's too crazy it's too much so uh, apologies if it felt too <laughs> if it felt too heavy like you were deeply in 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 it with me
0: (laughs) no I mean I was on the sidelines cheering you on because I knew and it's easier when you're not living in the situation I knew that you would get out and I knew that there had to be some kind of like very sharp turn for you and that is essentially what has happened like you have left there and walked into all of these things that you have manifested that are things that you really, really wanted. And it's almost like night and day between where you are now and back then.
1: Yeah, yeah. I The one thing I would say for myself that was the big clincher here is like I could not fathom a job that would be what I wanted it to be because I'd had some really negative experiences with employers in the past. And I someone said to me, you need to start imagining that like a job that you, you can't even fathom right now is out there and that you could get it like where they're not going to work you to death and you'll be paid, you know, well and, and that sort of thing. And I, I started to work on that belief. It was just a belief that I started to work on. And I, that is what got me here. So if I can impart any words of wisdom, I feel like if you're in a terrible situation that you can't see a way out of. You have to work on your beliefs about how you'll get out because more than likely, if you're in a pit, it's part of that being in that pit is, has to do with a belief that all of the ladders out don't exist. Like that there are no ladders out, that there's nothing to come and save you. And that's not true.
0: (laughs) Or that the ladder out is to like another pit. (laughs) Right. Or, yeah. or, or, or like a slightly less crappy pit. But like, again, what you're saying, our limitations are within our mind. There are so many things. Because I mean, from what you describe about like where you work and stuff, and we, we won't share where it is, but like, they have crazy perks. Like, I'm like, right. damn, I want to jump
1: there. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. and And everyone is so respectful. And every single day, someone is appreciative of everything that I'm doing. And they're just like, you're doing an amazing job. And, and I am like, wow, I just feel more appreciated than I've ever felt in any job I've ever been in. And I could not fathom a job like that just a year ago. Mm. So I, I believe that I, I manifested it.
0: (laughs) Awesome. And you certainly um, went through the purgatory to get there. Yes. (laughs) I earned it yeah yeah all right well it has been such a pleasure having you on and I really thank you for being so candid in sharing your story and being being willing to share your story I have no doubt that it's going to help people if nothing less it's going to interest people um, (laughs) as a good yarn but um, yeah it's just really incredible how some of our lives can take so many twists and turns. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. It's, I, I would say like, I, I know that some people, a lot of people out there, they go, um, they go, they'll have like one major twist and it'll be like, and it'll feel like the end of the world. And I feel like part of my purpose here in the world is to go like, honey, I've been through so many of those. And I've come up every single time and been better for it, you know? And if I can just be that for someone, just like the worst thing in the world could happen to you. Like you Mm -hmm. could literally die and then come back to life. (laughs) And like Mm -hmm. you, like every, you could be, there've been times in my life where I've been disabled. I, I didn't even get into that. And I've come back from it. Like I, so like anything, even if you have been disabled, if you can't walk, like something that serious, anything is possible. And I mean, I, there are people out there that go like, how dare you say that? There are people who, you know, terrible things happen and they, they'll never have that. And I go, you know what? That's not none of my business. I, I'm just here to be like, I have gotten through periods that were like death sentences, basically. And I've come out the other side stronger, healthier, knowing myself better and um so it's possible i think it's possible for anyone though.
0: it's because you're a bad bitch (laughs) (laughs) it's because i'm a bad bitch (laughs) awesome all right thank you so much um so if you enjoyed listening to this episode i would love a review or a rating or a subscribe on whatever platform that you're listening to this on and we'll see you next time